Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field. With uh, last week being busy here at Corn College, uh, been uh, two weeks since we talked to you, but those of you that made it to our field day want to thank you for the, the big turnout that we had. It was an excellent day of learning. And we did our annual round-robin crop report. We brought in farmers from all over the state of Illinois and then a few from Ohio and Indiana and Illinois to get a crop report early that morning before we started. And it was kind of a, a similar song uh, from all of the participants, uh, kind of a rough spring, got kind of worried about their planting window and stuff, then ended up dry in June uh, to the point where everybody was concerned. And then the July rains came in and across the board, we had pretty strong um, feelings as far as they thought this was an awful good crop for them. And they were uh, going down the path of, a, of another big crop similar to 2014. At Corn College last week, we did a similar type of crop report. We had uh, representative farmers there from 14 different states. We asked them to stand up, and then they sit down as we call off their crop classification, which started out as possibly uh, one of the worst crops you've ever raised, average crop, above average, and potentially the best crop that you may have ever raised. And with that group, when we got to above average, two-thirds of that room was still standing. The only other time that I've seen uh, that strong a crop report, we do it every year at Corn College for the past nine years, was in 2014. So take that for what it's worth. As far as from a farmer's perspective, uh, this crop looks pretty strong pretty much across the nation from North Dakota to Maryland, uh, even into the south as harvest is starting down there already. So uh, for whatever that's worth in your marketing strategies, but just thought I'd let you know on that. We've seen a number of storm fronts come through, bringing lots of rain and humidity and wind here in the past two weeks. Uh, the wind in some fields has caused green snap. Most of this green snap is above the ear, uh, and it's basically for every plant that has a, a top snapped off of it, you're going to cut the ear fill in half. Good news is we're pollinated, so we're not going to lose the ear completely, but you lose almost half of that ear for the plants that are broke off on top. Some of the fields have been blown down completely and green snapped at the base. There again, that fill is going to be cut by half to two-thirds. And with that corn laying on the ground now, it's not going to straighten out. So you're going to have to watch for the ear molds and toxin issues that we would run into there from it being uh, so close to the ground itself. With the moisture, it has somewhat taken away the spider mite threat. Haven't uh, seen much improvement in the spider mite populations, meaning they're decreasing instead of going up. Little reports up in the streeter area of still some spider mites around, but in general, I think Mother Nature is going to keep the spider mite in check from here on out the way this looks. Now, we have had corn aphids show up in Livingston County. Uh, again, they've been spotty, uh, and they've been down in the ear zone, but it is something to take watch of. This weather could promote um, the aphid populations as well. We usually don't worry about them until they move up to the top part of the plant because pollination, for the most part, is done. But there again, we don't want to wax those upper leaves. That's kind of the equivalent of green snap. If that was to happen in R2, R3, you can lose some fill there. Just spottings of them, though, nothing big there. There has been soybean aphids spotted in the Taswell area, uh, so that kind of sets up a notice. We've got a long way to go yet um, when it comes to dealing with soybean aphids, so uh, we want to be scouting that, especially any fields that you sprayed with a fungicide and didn't put an insecticide with it for aphid control. But um, again, no place else has reported a soybean aphid yet to us except for over in the Taswell County area itself.
On the disease front, of course, the past two and a half weeks have been ideal for gray leaf. So we're talking about a warm, humid disease, and this de disease now is in full, uh, it, this, it's in a full crank up as far as you should be able to find gray leaf in just about every field that you go in, depending on the susceptibility of your hybrid and whether it's corn on corn or not. Uh, but this disease is on a ramp up, and I don't see anything that's going to stop it from ramping up. So we're going to see quite a bit of gray leaf from here on out. It really depends on where you are. If you're ready at R4 when this thing's cranking up, it's probably not going to do that much damage. But if you're back there at R1 or R2, it could be. So some of our late planted corn is actually hitting thresholds for gray leaf, and it's going to need to be treated itself. And a lot of this week, a lot of the brown silk applications have been going on too, and that timing is going to be about perfect as far as it's going to give you now another 14 to 21 days of, of good control and that's going to coast us on out in good shape itself. Some of the very early applications that were put on, especially if it's on corn on corn or susceptible hybrids, we'll kind of have to watch there. You may have a reflare of that. You may not be able to hold it because of the time frame where it is. But for you guys that are making the brown silk applications, I would say timing is probably right on the money uh, as we're looking at it right now. In the streeter area, a very little gray leaf has been coming in as a report, but more common rust. Guys up in Wilmington as well seeing a little bit of gray leaf, but it's mainly on the lower leaves and hasn't moved a lot. <clears throat> Talking with the guys over there at Donovan, kind of the same way. What they're seeing is down low in the canopy and the disease pressure is a little bit slower. The highest amount of disease pressure is coming again from the earlier planted corn, more over in the Tazewell area itself. Now, as of today yet, I haven't seen any northern leaf blight in the fields that I've been looking at. We're getting some reports and pictures coming in out of Iowa with northern leaf blight and uh, some in northern Illinois itself. But northern leaf blight has been pretty quiet. We did have uh, leaf samples come into the office for northern leaf blight, and it actually ended up being Goss's wilt. So Goss's wilt looks like northern leaf blight, and there's a little bit of Goss's wilt out there in itself. But I... Imagine that we're going to see common rust uh, is going to be cranking up, especially in the north, and this gray leaf is going to get pretty significant as we move on, and it really depends on where your crop is uh, as far as how much potential damage that that could be, but the, but the conditions are ideal for it now, and they've been ideal for more than two weeks, so that's going to put it in full bore. Good news is it looks like poll pollination just about everywhere has went off without a hitch. Some of our replanted Mother's Day corn is just coming into pollination, so we have to wait to see that that finishes up. But for the most part, uh, everything that I've been in is looking pretty decent from a pollination standpoint, seeing a lot of potential 40, 45 long ears from a pollination standpoint. We are finding some pullback on the tip, and I was afraid of this um, due to the drastic drop in temperature and heavy cloud cover in this area, the 3rd of July through the 6th. We had uh, temperature drop, heavy cloud cover, and moisture. People were wearing coats around here on the 4th of July. And our light sensors that we have set up here to monitor uh, light absorption showed about a 70% drop in light interception in that window. So that's a pretty significant drop in photosynthetic activity. And that can cause some plants to throw the tips depending on where their maturity is. And remember we talk about the week before pollination to that week after pollination being very crucial. The plant is very sensitive to that. And these plants that are blowing the tips that we were in on Monday, the plant itself shows no sinus stress. So there's no drought stress. There's no nitrogen stress. You got this nice, green, robust plant, 
but all of a sudden you can see it pollinated to 45, aborted the tip back to 25 to 30, without any evidence that the plant itself was under stress. And that's going to be corn that was in that real critical, probably mid-April planting window, you know, that 10th through the 15th to 20th in that time frame uh, that was at that critical stage when that hit took place. So you want to be pulling back some ears. In this case, we're shucking, let's say if you go back and you shuck 10 ears, you might find four or five that have a very truncated ear or a very tip pulled back in the field itself. And you need to know that because it, it, it looks like 200 bushel corn. It just isn't going to be there if it got caught in that window itself. We checked some of the same hybrids planted just four or five days to a week later, uh, and they're okay. So haven't seen much of that in my May planted corn or late April as of this part yet, but something to keep an eye on. On the bean front, we've got a little bit of frog eye, a lot of septoria showing up at the bottom end of the plant, and we're starting to see sudden death show up again in the Tazewell County area, and I expect it'll be showing up uh, in other beans as we move on. The beans that worry me the most about sudden death are those Mother Day weekend beans that took just forever to get up, had to participate in that cold, wet rain, the frost, that type of stuff in there, and you're going to start to see sudden death show up in these. Most of these beans are R3, so sudden death showing up at R3 will ding the yield pretty good. So be, be cautious of that itself. Again, most of the sudden death visuals are showing up again to the west. Tazewell County, we're a little bit ahead of the rest of us, but I do expect them to show up uh, through the central part of the state uh, as this week goes on, where you're probably going to have to be walking the field to find those individual plants. This is something that you're not going to be able to see you know, from the road, uh, from that perspective. So split those stems, look for that dark media area uh, in that lower stem itself. Our earlier planted corn is in the R3, R4 stage, finishing up uh, milk into dough pretty good. Uh, basically got 30 days left for that. Our late April corn is at R2 to R3, about 40 days left. That Mother's Day weekend planting is in that R1 to R2 range, so we got about 50 days left there. And of course, the replanted corn that we replanted after Mother's Day is in that VT to R1, so about 60 days left. One of the things to think about, the corn that has 30 days left needs about 6 inches more water. The 40 days needs about 8 inches. The 50 days, about 10. And the 60 days out needs about 12 inches. So as I talk to the different farmers and dealers that we work with, from Donovan to Streeter to Springfield, Pretty much everybody's saying that their soils are loaded, meaning they're waiting to get out and do any spraying or anything because they're waiting for saturated soils uh, to become full capacity as far as water holding soils. So most of these soils can hold between 5 to 10 inches of water uh, at capacity. That's that point when the tile quits running. That's when you're at capacity. So what I'm saying here is for a lot of our territory, this corn crop is locked and loaded. We have enough moisture in the ground to give us a pretty big crop. That late planted replant corn may need a shot to finish out the other side. So we've got a lot of it on board. We're most of it probably anywhere from 40 to 90 pounds more nitrogen to go on board. But this thing, um, you know, is, is looking pretty good. And we got every field I'm in is almost green from top to bottom unless we really missed on the nitrogen. And we have the water supply to ride that out. So all we have to do is protect it, make sure that we don't have any insects or diseases or something derail it itself. But um, for the most part, I think we're looking pretty good. For the soybeans, we still need a rain in mid to late August to finish them out. They could have issues with aphids. We're to pay attention to from that perspective itself. Um, 
so it's a little bit early to tell. Remember, these beans pretty much are all in R3. So as you guys are continuing to take a swing at the water hemp, that water hemp uh, rescue treatments right now with your Cobra is going to cause yield loss. So you just have to accept that part uh, if, you're, if you're continuing to spray them itself. Now as we move into R4, headed towards R5, these beans are going to slow down in growth and they're going to come to a halt. And then you're going to see a lot of what were marginally clean fields become a lot tougher looking from the water hemp side because the water hemp's going to blow on by these beans. So there's fields that we're walking, there's some water hemp sitting there at the edge. So be prepared when the bean quits growing for the water hemp to show its head again out there in the field. That's just the way it is and we're going to have to uh, swing at it harder next year to see if we can't keep these under control itself. With that, I think we got a big crop on the pipe here, and I think uh, you know I think we're we've got the weather conditions that just ride this thing out and and give us a maybe not a 2014 crop, but I think it's going to crowd it in some areas and some fields um, where we're going to see probably maybe our second or third biggest crop we've seen in a while itself. With that, I'll be on vacation next week, so Isaac will cover the boots in the field while we're on vacation. But in the meantime, keep it moving and keep it safe.